Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Let's Do the Right Thing in association with RadioWorks. Presented and curated by Adam Hopkinson. This is the LDTRT podcast, brought in conjunction with Passion Media and RadioWorks. It was set up to tell the stories of leaders in media industries focusing on their journeys and motivations. I myself launched a media agency last year, Passion, to focus on fashion, entertainment and leisure verticals. And I've had loads of great advice in doing so. In fact, a lot of it from guests on this podcast. And I am still indeed on the mission to gather the best advice. I'm delighted today to be speaking with Keisha Townsend, who is the Chief Inclusion Officer at the Omnicom agency GSD&M. They are leading the way in creating the best practice and doing it with genuine core values of progression. Keisha, thank you for taking time out. It's lovely to talk to you again. Yeah, thank you, Adam. Happy to be here. How are you? How is the weather in Texas today? It's about to go biblical with rain here. Well, it is hot. Um, we are officially in the hundreds here in Texas. What's that in real numbers? I don't even know. Is it 30? 30 something is hot. It's 29 degrees here today. And, and that, that's far too much. It's really hot. It's basically stay indoors weather or stay in water weather here in Texas. Let's have a chat about the progressive force that it has been over the last 51 years. And I, I would imagine probably at the time of its launch, the only agency in Texas with a female founder, perhaps. One of the reasons that I was so excited to come here was basically the history, right? I came here in 2021. And so at that point in the U.S., there was a lot of um, diversity, equity, and inclusion roles popping up after the the murder um, of George Floyd. Um, but for a lot of companies, that was their first, right? So they were bringing on a first and only. GSDNM actually had the role before me. I got to interview with my predecessor and get firsthand knowledge of her experience. But also from you know her, um, my interaction with my my predecessor, also the CEO and our chief people officer, they were constantly able to give me and point to actual actions and tactics. Um, and beliefs and behaviors that this agency has done since its founding. So being a female founder, like you said, was unheard of back in back in the 70s. Um, but since then, you know, even being based in Austin, Texas, right, having this real passion for people and caring about people and whatever matters to the people of GSDNM and whatever, um, you know, causes they cared about. GSDNM figuring out ways to use the talents and resources that we have, whether that's our platform and advertising, our creative talents, to make a difference. Um, and so, you know, in 2017, I think 
uh, it was the first time when I was interviewing that I heard about IP with LGBTQ, but it was when something was on, you know, legislation in the Capitol for banning, you know, transgenders to use any bathroom of their preference that, you know, aligned with their identity and GSDNM working with partners to create a PS PSA and stopping that from turning into law. It was also the point in which we as an agency created our first gender neutral bathroom. So really uh, ahead of their times and, you know, coming from New York, which is where I was coming from, it was unexpected. And I can say since I've been here April 2021, um, we just continue to, to seek out opportunities to make lives better for our employees and, and for our clients. Um, and we're all about actions and not words and often not, not getting enough credit for the stuff and the work that we do. And good for you. And thank you for the work that you are doing. But what I'm finding phenomenal at the minute and what you've said is that two years ago, there was a law potentially happening to prohibit transgenders from using bathrooms that they identify with. And yet that you were embracing the ability for people to do things similar to this, or in fact, the opposite of that, uh, 48 years prior. Are, are you a blueprint for the best practice of DE&I in the US? I think so. I you know, Again, we, we are a very um, humble agency who is not one who's always in the press kind of tooting our own horn. But I think, and, and there are a ton of agencies obviously doing a lot of work. But again, just when you look at our history and how long we've been doing those things, that's what really sets us apart. Um, so IP with LGBT, like I said, was, was 2017. We've talked about our female founder. Um, but even something like vendor partner diversity, which is all about getting these underutilized vendors and partners, um, you know, work um, so that we can level the playing field in that way. GSDNM started our program in 2004. So almost 20 years ago, next year will be the 20th anniversary. And we were the first in the advertising agency to start a formalized program. So again, just always these things that you can point to and we didn't just start that program and say, okay, we did it. We were the first. It's done. You know, we are actively uh, raising our numbers of utilization with these vendors, but also hosting an annual summit um, with, you know, these vendors to come to GSDNM to have one-on-ones with these people who will be able to give them work opportunities, not just within our walls here at this agency, but within the Omnicom network, within other advertising agencies in Austin. So just, again, really standing behind what we say. So if we put a message out there, we actually uh, put some action behind it. And that's what I think makes us different. And that, to me, should be the blueprint for everyone in terms of the DEI space. Absolutely. And completely agree. And it's interesting that you're talking about vendors. Are you looking for a diversification of vendors? So are you beginning to insist upon the, the organizations that you work with, that they have a policy or that they, have, they meet certain thresholds? How, how does that work? Yeah. So uh, we have a few clients and have in our, our history um, who have had basically uh, directives for the agency partners they work with in terms of setting goals for both small businesses and, um, you know, minority owned or female owned, women owned business enterprises. And so that is something we track. U.S. Air Force happens to be one of our big, biggest clients here at GSTNM, and they are one where they have small business and diverse supplier mandates. And it's something that we not only just meet every year, but exceed. 
But beyond that, we also have clients who sometimes have diversity, uh, supplier diversity roles within their organization, like Pizza Hut and Capital One. But we also have, you know, the Tysons and the Fruit of the Looms who don't have that. But no matter what, every client within our agency, we set a goal. So we work with what we call um, vendor partner diversity advocates on our account leadership team. And they think about, you know, what we have going on for the year with that client. And we set a goal. Um, those are client specific. And then we also have the agency wide goal. And it's something we report on every month so that people can see how we're tracking. Um, for example, this year in 2023, our goal is that 18.5% of our total agency spend in production, which you know ends up being millions of dollars, um, will go to a minority owned or women owned business, um, which is significant. That's fantastic. As well as supporting culturally, ethically, politically, societally, what you're doing, can you also see whether or not it's having a an effect on the bottom line? Is is, is it improving the actual business? Because what, what I want to get to is the you know, it's often going to be the, the 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 measure that that stops things from happening. And if it starts costing money, then it's not really going to get the support. If you if you can do all of the good and improve the bottom line, surely you're onto a winner, and everybody should just be following your suit. Yes. No, thank you. That's a great question, Adam, because I mean, I'm passionate about this because, you know, I think it's the right thing to do. But there have been so many studies here in the U.S., especially um, just because of our, our makeup, right, being 40 plus percent diverse and even yeah. uh, higher than that in, in the largest uh, cities across the U.S. But it is affecting the bottom line here within the, the creative agency space. Um, when we are involved in new business pitches, it is one of the first questions they ask before you even make it to the next round, right? Do you have a supplier diversity program? What is your employee makeup in terms of who you have inside your building so that we know we can tap into this, you know, this space where people can authentically relate and tell stories to the diverse audiences we serve? But so last year, uh, one of our other largest clients, Capital One, came to us and we're their, you know, creative lead agency of record. And we do a ton of great work for them, including our March Madness campaigns that I, as a basketball lover, really enjoy every every March. Um, but they came to us and they said, hey, we have an RFP for our, um, they call it diversity, inclusion and belonging work where they were targeting mostly Black and Hispanic consumers for, you know, some of the banking opportunities um, and, uh, you know, the, the good work in, in nonprofit and community-based stuff that they're doing. And they wanted to be able to tell this story through advertising because they are another company who's been walking the walk for a long time. When we got that RFP, we weren't even sure if we were the right agency um, in, in hearing who they were working with and, and talking to to be part of the RFP as well. Um, which were some minority owned or, you know, multicultural based agencies, you're kind of assuming, okay, this work is going to go to them. We don't know if we, you know, have that capability in terms of what they're looking for. Well, fast forward three months into the pitch, it was actually our first ever DEI win for an agency. So, I mean, it affected our bottom line in, in that we won that business. But I think the other thing that, the, that it did for us is really confirmed the benefit of what we had been doing. We didn't, we would not have been in a position to win that business if one, my role didn't exist, which 
for GSDNM, they've had it for six plus years. But also, if we hadn't put effort into diversifying our workforce and getting people not just from different racial backgrounds, but from different parts of the country, people with different abilities, people with different socioeconomic perspectives, like all of those things factor into what helped us be really authentic and come to the table with a campaign that they loved and we produced by the end of last year and I think is still uh, you know, out there now that we're, that we're building on. So it has affected our bottom line in, in big ways and very tangible ways. But I think I also always caution people to know that doing this work, it's not a switch, a flip of the switch, right? You're not going to diversify your workforce yeah. in a week. Uh, you're not going to learn uh, everything you need to know about different groups and communities and be culturally fluent in a week. It all takes time. Um, but what GSDNM does and what I think is another best practice is we don't stop planting those seeds and we see the fruits of that labor pay off tenfold down the road. And um, that just you know speaks to our sustained commitment to what we do, um, which also just happens to be what we believe is the right thing to do. Absolutely. And of course, we're all about doing the right thing. Yes. Yeah, you've, you've mentioned a, an, an interesting word in, in there as well about sustain. Um, yeah. Because I, I would imagine that uh, an easy fix would to be to start alluding to having a DE&I policy and then maybe bringing in some diversification. But actually, it's got to be sustainable. It's got to be something that bakes into your your DNA, it's genuinely something that you want to deliver on and you need to have reasons for doing it. So, of course, having neurodiversity and different ways of thinking is always going to be good for clients. My question here, and I wonder whether you get asked this a lot, is um, is there a an ultimate um, level of satisfaction for you in the role that you do? I Can you get to a fully diversified workforce? Yes. So I think it is possible when you talk about diversity, right, which is just having those different perspectives in a room, it is absolutely possible. And I see our agency and other agencies and corporations out there, especially here in the U.S., actually setting goals and reporting on those goals and being very transparent with their employees and the public about where they stand. And there's been progress. Um, inclusion and equity, I think, take a little bit more time. And that is making sure once you have the people in your building or, you know, working on your teams, that they are in positions to contribute. They feel like uh, there's a safe space created where um, if they bring up a red flag that they see, let's say, in a creative campaign, which happens for us, you know, all the time because we do foster this this culture of feedback, Um that they will be heard, they will be listened to, somebody won't just shut them up, or at least, you know, and maybe what they bring up isn't even a big risk. And we decide to to go the way that we were originally going, that people still appreciate them saying something that everyone feels like it's part of their responsibility. I think one of the misfortunate uh, parts of DEI is a lot of the burden has historically fallen on these historically excluded groups, right? So uh, let's say a, a brand wants to do a pride campaign. A lot of times you are finding whatever LGBTQ employee or, or group you had at your agency and asking them to come up with some ideas or do some research or provide you with this thing that could help you. 
And that would be in addition to what their day-to-day responsibility was. Or, you know, when George Floyd happened three years ago, a lot of Black employees were being asked to to speak about it, to to do this, to help them with their website uh, quote, and, and all of these things that, that that burden is not placed on, you know, other people outside of those groups who aren't impacted. Um, so I think having people understand that cultural fluency and uh, trying to make sure that you're always hiring to have these diverse perspectives, because it does make the work better. I mean, our, our chief creative officer says that all the time, is everyone's job. Making sure we hit our vendor partner goals is not just the job of our vice president of vendor partner diversity. It is on our producers. It is on yeah. our creatives. It is on account leadership. And so all of those things just take time. And I think when people start to, the more they do it, right, it's like building that muscle then they learn it. And I think that um, you you hit that. And, and unfortunately, the game we're playing here in the US is a little bit of whack-a-mole. You think this is the problem and you're focused on that and you do that. And then something else, you know, pops up. And, and you know, my example of that is I would say the US has largely been focused on race over the past two years after the, the you know, Black Lives Matter movement and the social injustices that you know, kind of came after, but the LGBTQ community um, has been under attack, but though that was largely going unnoticed or for the Asian community on the heels of COVID and, and some of the violence against that community wasn't being talked about as much because we focus here. And then it's like, okay, but all of these things are getting worse. Um, accessibility, um, both with products and work is another huge opportunity that I think our creative agency industry has to go. So I think there is an ultimate. There's an ultimate because there's something to aspire to. But I guess my opinion would be I don't foresee it being finished, the work being finished in my lifetime. Um, because I think that, you know, it's it's been <laughs> 400 years here in the U.S. for, for some of our racial um, crises. And even though people have made progress, you take two steps forward, you take one step back. And we're starting to see that a lot here with legislation too. So um, it's not as linear as I think people think it is. And it does take time. 400 years is is quite a long time. So any progress that you can make now is good. Thank you. Yeah. Um, we're in Pride Month in the UK. I don't know whether it's a global thing or not at the minute. Yes. But one thing it does for me is I notice every time it comes along by seeing brands appearing to rainbow wash their output. And I find it very sycophantic that there's nothing, there's no support, there's no commentary, there's nothing throughout the rest of the year. And then suddenly um, we are awash with brands trying to say that they represent. Is that a good step in the right direction or is that a fail? if you're trying to be genuine in your core values? Yeah. So authenticity is is key to everything that we always suggest and advocate our clients do. So we think about, obviously, what we do as GSDNM, but we're also um, always giving advice and counsel to our clients and the brands we work with. And so 
um, something we'd recommend for Capital One may not be the same thing we'd recommend for Tyson, even if you were talking to the same people here at this agency. Um, so I think authenticity is key. Um, when we talk about Pride Month specifically, it's also, you know, Pride Month here in the U.S. And rainbow washing is, you know, about a five-year-old trend that happened. It used to be 10 years ago, the brands that were doing it, they were pioneers. It was iconic. They were leading the movement. And in some ways, that was progressive because the company for the first time was taking a stand saying, I see and I recognize this community that had largely been you know, ostracized or, you know, ignored. But then it just became, okay, on June 1st, especially when social social media got huge, you would see all of these brands changing their, their logos to rainbows yep. and uh, basically pandering um, because they were selling some product or, you know, working with some influencer that would potentially connect with the LGBTQ audience and ally community, but not doing anything to actually support the community. Yeah. So when we talk about and, and provide counsel to our brands and also here at GSDNM on what we would do for Pride Month, it is about, you know, you can do things to uh, add color and the rainbow colors, whether it's the progressive flag or the original to your work to make to p give people that instant signal that it's something to celebrate pride, right? There is a reason why even people who attend the parades wear those colors and there's symbolism in each of the colors. So it's not <clears throat> turning anything into a rainbow isn't a bad thing. But I think the bad thing and, and the fail, as you said, comes when you stop there, yeah. right? And I also tell, tell brands never to publicly uh, toot your horn or, or tell uh, what you're doing until you've got your house cleaned up inside. And what I mean by that is you've been doing the work. Don't don't promote on social media or, you know, a digital campaign about pride when you don't have LGBTQ inclusive benefits yeah. for your employees. When you have dress code policies that are very discriminatory towards the LGBT community. When you, you know, when you look at your donations, a lot of corporations and even agencies, we make monetary donations to nonprofits all of the time. If you haven't done made a donation or volunteered or done any service work with an LGBTQ organization, let's not turn your campaign into rainbow. Um, I think examples that I think really, um, you know, I think are genuine. There's a little bit of businesses, corporations, and even agencies, right? We're for-profit businesses. So I think this um, mindset that some people have of, well, you're only doing it for the money. Well, of course, a for-profit business is doing something for the money. That is how they pay their employees. That is how they, they stay in business. So, you know, thinking that people aren't doing things for the money is, I think, a little naive. But for me, I'm always okay with it when you're doing something for the money, but you're also giving back and helping the community. And I think the best example or one of the, the best examples I've seen um, in recent times is something Skittles does. So Skittles every... Um, June, they, uh, I don't know if you're familiar, do they have Skittles in the UK? Yeah, I, I have to avoid them though, because whenever I see them, that's it. It's a, it's a month from the gym. I, I, I can't <laughs> help it. I love them. <laughs> they're great, right? And they're addictive. Um, but usually the, the Skittles pack is either red or purple or green, right? Really bright colored. All the Skittles are obviously colors of the rainbow. And so every June, the packaging turns gray. So 
for Skittles. That's, you know, the opposite of what it normally is. Um, and I think a dollar of every or 50 cents, I, I don't know the exact amount, but but some portion of every sale of what they call their pride packs, which are gray without color, because they say the only rainbow that matters in the month of June is the one for pride, um, goes back to GLAD, who's a national organization here in the U.S. who's all about accelerating acceptance for the LGBT community. So for me, it's like, yes, they're selling that. And, and part of those proceeds when I buy the pride pack is going to Skittles and, and the Mars brand. And I know that and I get that um, and I respect that. But I also know part of those proceeds and the delicious candy that I'm eating that you said, you know, you agree is addictive, <laughs> is also going to an organization who's all, boots on the ground doing the work to better um, the livelihood for the LGBT community here in the U.S. So like those are the things I'm OK with supporting, even though it is kind of, you know, they're touting the rainbow in a different way. Yeah. So if, if Skittles are getting it absolutely right, have you got any other examples of, of brands that are absolutely on point with this? I think there are there are examples of, of people doing it right. I know Oreo, I think, you know, Mercedes is one. For me, it's it's the commitment. It is, if you're doing it right, you have been doing it regardless of the comments you get on social media because it can be a polarizing thing. The LGBTQ makeup in the U.S. is about 7%, right? So it's a small population. When you think about allies, it's, it's much bigger. But for the people who are part of the community, it's very small. It's also a religious um, topic and where our country is a ma majority Christian. Um, so you have extremists going on social media posts when you talk about pride and they are you know, giving the barf emoji and saying some really horrendous and heinous things. And um, if you're a brand who participates in pride year after year, and again, you do something that is both for your people inside your building, your product, and for the LGBT community through a nonprofit organization, I would say you're getting it right. And now, does that mean that you are not going to get any criticism online? No, because that is just the world that we live in, right? You are never able to please everyone. So I don't think you even have to do these, um, you know, historic groundbreaking things that are going to make headlines to be doing it right. Honestly, I think some of the people doing it more quietly, um, you know, I respect that too. I think the biggest disappointment this Pride Month for me has been has been Target. Target, um, here in the U.S. Do you guys, I don't know if you guys have Target in the U.K. I'm sorry, I'm so... No, we're, we're familiar with the brand. It's, okay. like, it's a super megastore kind of thing. Exactly. And it is a, a very popular, well-loved brand here in the U.S. And um, some people even say it's Target because yes. they try to make it fancier <laughs> than what it is. Um, but they have a cult-like following. And for so long, I have pointed, I mean, honestly, for like over a decade, I have pointed to Target to being a corporation and a brand who was ahead of their times when it came to inclusion and diversity. Um, because for every cultural moment month, they put up a store display. They actually worked with my family last Black History Month. Um, my mom's side of the family owns a cotton farm in Alabama. And they actually, all of the shirts for Black History Month were made um, with cotton from Bridgeforth farms wow. which is part of my mom's family and so things like that like the the vendors that they were working with the artists the fashion designers were always tied back to whatever community they were supporting for that cultural moment and i thought that it was so cool and obviously always bringing in kind of fresh content 
and not doing the same thing every month. They also, in their ads, had always been very inclusive in terms of who they were showing racially, disability, um, and everything. But this this year, like the past 10 years, they launched their Pride campaign. And usually when it is a cultural moment, it is the first thing you see when you walk in the store. So they have the whole display. There was a rainbow. There's, you know, T-shirts. There's, um, you know, notebooks. There's books. Everything related to Pride Month that, that people might get. And to try to, I mean, they put it in the front of the store for a reason, right? To make sure that it's seen and visible yeah. and that people, you know, purchase the products um, and, and are aware um, well, unfortunately, you know, things have gotten more volatile and hostile here in the U.S., um, more, I think, just divided yep. than ever, at least that's how I feel. Um, and so, unfortunately, a small group of extremists kind of started going into targets across the country and harassing both guests and employees, saying, you know, why are you grooming children um, you know, with this pride, why are you doing these things? And again, Target was not doing anything different from what they've done in a long time, but this was the first time they're getting that reaction. People punching and breaking like the store displays. Wow. Um, and so they had to call an emergency meeting. They um, ended up basically ultimately making the decision that for the safety of their employees, they took down all of those front facing front of the store displays with all of those products. Um, and either took them off both online and in store or moved some things to the back of the store for a safer experience for their their guests and employees. And I think, you know, I've, I've read a lot on this topic because I was very interested, as you can imagine. And I definitely am always a person who can see both sides. I can see that, you know, wanting uh, to be concerned about the safety of their employees, especially some of these are hourly high school or college age students who, you know, are not trained to to deal with this type of stuff. I understand why they made the decision they did. But at the same time, I think the danger in the message that they sent is we are willing to back down. This is who we've been, right? We've shown you this for 10 years. But when you come in and you you know, again, there was a small group of people who kind of act out for, for lack of a better term, then we're going to back down. And um, I think that's very dangerous mm, for inclusion overall, because this now sends the signal that, yeah, all we have to do is, you know, not just boycott, which usually that was the thing. Okay, Target's doing Pride or Mercedes or BMW, you have a Pride campaign, I'm not, I'm not buying your car. And it's like, People would still buy the cars, but that's what they would put on social media. Um, but this just sends a signal of now brands are going to be scared to do stuff. Yeah. Um, and again, it feels like we've taken a step backwards. So that is, I guess that would be the biggest disappointment I've had this pride specifically. Has, has anybody else followed suit? Um, so Bud Light was kind of the other controversial, Bud Light actually happened before Target. They used a transgender activist um, in one of their actually targeted social campaigns, which was what, what was so interesting, right? It this was, was about people shooting it, weren't they? They were taking the, the Bud Lights out and, and... Yes. I mean, I mean, it's it's horrible stuff yes. anyway, so, but... <laughs> yes. So to boycott the brand, right? They're like, there's this, there's this tagline where... 
um, again, how I was talking about buzzwords earlier, always being redefined. But um, for for the very extreme conservatives here in the U.S., woke and diversity, equity, and inclusion are bad words. Um, and a lot of times how they define them are, I would argue, inaccurate. But um, if you go woke, you go broke is a slogan that, you know, this group uses often. And so that was the thing for Bud Light. By working with this transgender influencer and also putting, they had some uh, cans with Dylan's face on them. Um, and that was supposedly too far. So rather than just not buying it, yes, like you said, Kid Rock was seen on on his, you know, acres shooting the cans. People were burning it or, you know, buying them to dump them out. Um, and, and from what I've seen, and again, I, I never trust uh, media headlines too much or what you see on social media, but I did see that Bud Light sales took a little bit of a dip, right? And people would go into stores and be showing that Bud Light was on the shelves and others weren't. And honestly, I don't, I can't tell you today um, if their business took a hit. But again, I still think the danger is as a brand, they should have done their homework to know who their audience is and who they were trying to target. Yeah. And if this would have a negative business impact on their brand, then if we were consulting them, we never would have told them to do that. There are other ways that they could have supported the LGBT community. Um, that didn't have to be what they did. But once they took that stand to do it and spent the production dollars to make those cans and put out that ad, right? Money was spent, money and resources were were spent. You have to stand firm in that decision, backing down, apologizing, taking stuff down, removing items. It's just a very dangerous place to be. Yeah, and we don't see an awful lot going on in, in the UK from the US at the minute, or maybe I'm just blind to it. But you you said that it does feel that things are dividing a bit at the minute. And I certainly get that sense. Yeah. Running up into the election next year, I've, I've always loved watching American elections. But do you think that this is something that can be sold wholesale um, with a new administration coming in? Or is this just something that is growing worryingly in the US right now? I'll be honest. Personally, I think it's worrisome. I think that, um, you know, I was so I was so encouraged by what we saw in 2020 in terms of, you know, the the level of consciousness and awareness that was raised from people who because, again, our lived experience dictates what we know. And there's nothing wrong with that. But the openness and willingness for, you know, people outside of certain communities to learn and just be kind to each other because we were all going through so much because it was a pandemic and, you know, everything else that we were facing. Um, I was so encouraged at that time. I thought like, okay, this is it. This is going to be the change. Um, and so I think, you know, the past six months or a year have been worrisome, but I also feel like this is, this is kind of the cycle that the U S always does, right? Something happens our attention goes to it. We say we're going to get better. We want to change. And then we forget about it, right? Like anything else, we have our lives. We move on to everything else. We don't have time to worry about this or read these books or do this. Um, but I think the, you know, the next year will be more divided and more, you know, volatile and hostile because we are going into election. And, you know, something my my chief creative officer and I always talk about is like this idea of being right and righteous or self-righteous um because i think 
that's part of the problem. People are so scared to talk, not even just scared, but just want to avoid. They, they avoid it at all costs, talking to someone with different beliefs. And as long as we do that and we just continue to talk in echo chambers, we will never get to a place of understanding. And so something I always say in my role is like, I am meant to be a bridge builder. I intentionally seek out people who have different lived experiences and different viewpoints than I do so that I can understand. And, and of course, I share my points of view with them. Um, and if it seems like they're not in a position to listen, then I stop and I don't waste my breath. But I still show them respect and listen because I think it helps me to be more effective at my job. Because for me, um, and for you know GSDNM and the brands that we work with, I like to get into the psyche of people because we have to understand what motivates them, right? And if there's you know something from one conversation that they take away to just think about, then to me that's a that's a win. But if we don't have those conversations and we feel like okay, you vote for this person or you belong to this party and I belong to this party, we have nothing in common. That couldn't be further from the truth. And I think that's what the problem is. People are so unwilling to hear from the other side. Um, and, and, you know, most people are moderate, right? The headlines, the extremists are the ones that make the headlines. But a lot of us sit right here and can be rational and be kind and have this growth mindset where we're not afraid to say, oh, I have new information. My opinion has changed. Um but it's just avoided because, you know, what we see is that things get hostile and I don't want anyone to dislike me or I don't want to make anyone uncomfortable. Yeah. I don't want to be uncomfortable, but we've got to have these conversations. Otherwise, I think um, it's just a sad, you know, the future just looks so different. And to me, it's a very sad future if we don't. I, I, I agree. And and you, you mentioned you know about being scared. Um, I, I think probably to a degree we might be scared about getting it wrong in the UK. Yeah. Because there's a, there's a sense that the reaction to trying to do the right thing and failing is worse than not trying to do the right thing. And that's a really bad position to be in because that, that just completely dampens any progression that we may make. Yeah. Um, mm. We've got to do better, must do better. The fear is is real. The fear of saying something wrong or getting it wrong. I mean, I, I hear that. And I myself even have um, those questions of, you know, I, I'm advising our agency or a client to do something. There's no rule book for this, right? You're using data and your gut instincts. And, you know, most of the times I get it right, thank goodness. But sometimes I don't. But I think that's why the people who do this work and are really committed to it, I always make it a point to tell people I don't know everything and I'm not perfect. I can be corrected. I can get it wrong. Tell me if I get it wrong so I can do better in the future. But um, I'm the first one to admit my mistakes because I think that then gives other people their permission to do the same. I love the way that you described yourself as being a bridge builder. Um, that would be the perfect description on your business card, I'd imagine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Send send one over when you've changed it. <laughs> I will. Well, look, I, I, I can see the work that you're doing and the effect that it's having and the drive that you have, which is fantastic. It does worry us that the, the, the background that, that you're doing it against is becoming harder. We would hope that it was becoming easier as we as we get further along. Um, 
What do you think is going to happen next year? Hit an early call in the election. How do you see this going? I don't know. I haven't, to be honest, I haven't wrapped my head around that yet. Obviously, I have I have my hopes. Um, but I also think this, and, and me and my CEO talk about this often, here in the U.S., when you look at how people vote, people come out for the presidential elections. They see this as the thing. So every four years, I need to figure out and who I want in office and go make my voice be heard. But in our day-to-day lives, it is actually your state legislators, right? Your governors and your representatives for where you live that actually dictate and make so many laws, especially as the Supreme Court has started to give more things up to the state and they're not federal. Um, And yet at these local elections, people do not turn out. So I think I would just encourage people to, yes, show up for your election. That is a way for your voice to be heard. There are so many times where I talk to people and they feel defeated because they honestly feel like there's nothing I can do. This is just the way the world is. This is just and it's like, no, we live in a democratic country and you have the right to vote. And people died and fought for that right to vote. So if you are 18, take your ASS to the voting polls and make your voice be heard. But don't just do it every four years for the presidential election. Absolutely. Do it for your state. Um, but I think what I see in a year from now, regardless of who is in office kind of um, or wins the election, um, I think it is going to be it is going to get harder. I think there's going to be more separation and it's going to get um, yeah more more extreme as things heat up for the 2024 election. But I hope that within the people we kind of experience in our day-to-day lives, that there is greater understanding. And for me, that is like the leading up to the presidential election is a great opportunity to make that happen. So instead of, oh, if you're voting for Trump, I hate you or I don't like you, talking to someone to say, oh, who are you voting for and why? And having that discussion And if they are voting for someone other than you, then you also have the opportunity to tell them why you are voting for the other candidate and how it can impact the lives of you, your family, your children. And that if it is someone you have a relationship with, I can't tell you how many times that has been impactful. So CNN or Fox News viewing why the other side is bad doesn't feel as personal, but Adam, if I talked to you and told you told you how a candidate, um, a particular candidate was going to limit the rights of my child or how it was creating more fear for me because of X, Y and Z or what my husband experienced, um, that may make you pause. Now, it may not change your decision and that would be okay. but at least we had the conversation and we're going to get to a greater place of understanding because we all have the ability to be empathetic. And I think most people are and, and can be human. So I think there's a ripe opportunity, regardless of what's happening with the election, because it is probably going to get nasty and bad because we've, we've seen this play out in 2020. Yeah. But I, I hope that people um, remain open to having more conversations with each other, people that they personally know, to talk about these things and how uh, certain elected officials impact their lives. And uh, I, I hope you're right. Um, yeah. And I guess it might be 
then down to a putting a, a burden on advertising, which has always been been there to change people's behaviors. Um, maybe we can use the work that you're doing to help the world understand that they, there are other behaviors they need to change rather than just simply responding to an ad and buying a product. Absolutely. I think, you know, that is the, that is both the power and the privilege and responsibility. Um, all of those things that we have as advertisers is to tell these stories um, to help change minds. And it, it is often tied to products. Um, but there's a lot of, uh, you know, other work that we do, like even Forced Mother's Day on the heels of Roe v. Wade here in the U.S., um, that we do to bring awareness to issues that help change minds and behaviors. And that's, again, something that I will always be proud of here at GSDNF. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. And so you should be. Thank you so much for taking time out. Absolute pleasure. Yes. Thank you, Adam. And yeah, thank you for having me. And it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for listening to Let's Do the Right Thing in association with RadioWorks, the UK's largest independent radio advertising agency. Let's Do the Right Thing is a Maple Street creative production, revised and presented by Adam Hopkinson. <laughs>